How many of you have read even just a little bit of the Bible? One verse, one page, you know, whatever. How many of you believe, and it's okay if you don't all believe this, but, but just how many of you believe that the Bible is all true? That everything in the Bible is true. God's word is true. Okay. Let me mess with your head a little bit. Whilst I believe that the Bible is all true, not everything in the Bible is equally important. Now, this is the part where you think, do we kind of grab him and run him outside and (laughs) set him on fire? That just doesn't sound right. The Bible is all true, but it's not equally important. If you don't believe me, Jesus was once asked a question. Asked the question, Jesus, of the 617 commandments that are written in the, in the old ancient scroll, which is the most important? And if they were all equally important, Jesus would have said, mate, they're all equally important. So go away and keep all 617 of them. That should uh, keep you busy. He didn't. He said, aha, uh-huh, the most important ones are... And he listed them off, referencing this idea that, yeah, they're all true, but they're not all equally important. One of the, th- the thing that we're going to do over the next six weeks is we're going to look at foundational principles, foundational aspects of what it means to follow Jesus. Kind of like six of the big ticket items. Okay, So my challenge to you is to be here unless you've got a weekend away at Observation City, courtesy of the in-laws next weekend. Otherwise, be here all six weeks, and we're going to walk you through, and we're going to take a journey through the big rocks of our faith. And the reason is, we're praying for breakthrough. We're trusting God for breakthrough. We felt that he's actually spoken to us and promised breakthrough. But breakthrough has to be built on a rock-solid foundation, because Otherwise, you, you break through to new heights, and over time, if the foundation isn't strong, that life, that, 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 that structure will erode at the bottom. So we want to make sure that we build our foundation strong. Question. You don't have to answer this, but just answer it in your head. Have you ever noticed that it's easier to follow Jesus when life's going well? It's easier to follow Jesus when we actually understand where he's going and why he's taking us in that direction. That's like, yeah, sure. You know, the Pied Piper. Just kind of follow along, follow along, follow along. But have you also discovered that there's things that take place in life that we don't understand? And I wonder if how many of you, like me, when some of those things happen, the whole idea of following Jesus doesn't all of a sudden seems so easy, doesn't all of a sudden make as much sense. I've been in church leadership, as I mentioned earlier, for 20 years, and I've been teaching God's word for a lot of that time. And it it would be kind of tempting for me to think that I've got it all figured out. You know, I've read the Bible, I've taught the Bible, I've I've had conversations about the Bible, I've taught about God's principles and, and God's patterns and God's ways and God's laws and and. And, and, and had, have it all figured out. I used to teach, in fact, one of the things that I used to teach is that, because Paul, who wrote a lot of the new part of the Bible, 
one of the things he said is that, that as we follow Jesus, we're, we're transformed from glory to glory. This idea that ever increasing glory was another way he put it. And, and I used to teach that, oh, it's fantastic. Paul promised that our journey following Jesus would be, would be like this. Just this nice, consistent, upwards, linear path. And uh, I've discovered that's not quite how it works. My picture was the top one. Reality is the bottom one. That God continues to transform us. Jesus continues to lead us. And our job is to continue to follow him. But it doesn't always look neat, linear, and predictable. The pace varies. The terrain varies. The circumstances vary. Sometimes it feels like we've got a tailwind. Sometimes it feels like we've got a headwind. Sometimes it feels like we're riding a rocket ship into new heights. Sometimes it feels like we can't even get that rocket ship built. Anyone understand what I'm talking about? Is this this sound about right to you? I'm not saying we'd like it like this. I'm just saying let's call it out and say, hey, this is reality. I know for us, uh, some of you know a bit of this story, and and I'm not going to beat the horse to death. But um, about four or five years ago, we resigned from a, Louis and I resigned from a church leadership role over at Riverview Church around the corner and uh, set out to, to lead our own church, felt God's. Uh, called to do that and the timing was right and, and we, 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 we took on the leadership of a church in Adelaide and uh, we set up camp there we dislocated from our family here and friends here set up camp there knew nobody and uh, we kind of you know great God's in this and, and, uh, and we cashed all in you know we, we went all in okay that's kind of how we are we went all in we sold up everything here we bought up everything there and, uh, and this was like this was our forever next step um, and 12 months later, I got fired. Uh, we had a, a, a bloody coup take place in the church. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, we were uh, living in someone else's guest room out of a suitcase each. And uh, had put our house in the market and so on and so forth. And <clears throat> that was a real challenge. And it was a challenge just on so many levels. It was a challenge because we dislocated from friends and family here and just started to you know, you guys that have ever moved city or state or country, you know, it takes time to build deep-spirited friendships. And 12 months is like barely even getting, getting going. And we, we felt we were starting to get some traction. And then all of a sudden, boom, back to, uh, you know, do not pass a go, do not collect $200. And that was tough. Um, I was unemployed uh, suddenly. And uh, hence, we had to put our house on the market. Uh, we lost substantial amounts of money in a, in a 24-hour period. I mean, a 24-month uh, period. Um, and uh, it's not how I thought it was going to go. We weren't living the dream at that moment. You know, in fact, in fact, I think probably the worst-case scenario for us is that we would have actually let go of the dream that God had called us to lead our own church. Now, here we are today, so we obviously didn't let go of that dream. Um, but it was tough. And it caused me to question some stuff. And some of you, you've been knocked off your axis in life, be it job, be it health, be it uh, relational issues that, have, that have, un- I have shaken your faith. And I know that because I know a lot of your stories. It's times like these where we have to actually face the question, is Jesus who he says he is? 
Or is he just a fairy tale? Does the Bible begin with once upon a time and end with they all live happily ever after? Or does it begin with in the beginning there was God and ends with those who choose to believe in him and follow him lived happily ever after, right? It's a pivotal question. And it's an easy one to ask when things are going well and when we understand what Jesus is up to. The bigger challenge is when we don't. Some of you, I'm guessing, grew up in a, in a church setting. And no criticism, I'm just making an observation. And some of you, I'm guessing, grew up in a church setting where, where you were kind of, whether it was taught or inferred, the idea that the more facts we know about God, the closer we are to him, Right? Now, knowledge is vital, and we just finished a conversation called, I know he is, but what am I? And we said that the, that, that, that the foundation of our faith needs to include a solid knowledge of who God says he is and build our lives on that. Absolutely. Absolutely. But what happens when a friend of yours' baby is stillborn, and you've been taught that God is a good God? What happens when you're watching the news and you see a story of thousands of people's lives being lost, innocent children, innocent people lost in a tsunami, and yet you've been taught that God's a protector? What about when you lose your job and the question of how we're going to pay the mortgage and feed the kids and keep them at school comes up and you've been taught that God's your provider? These are challenges. And, 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 and you're, well, I don't know what God would think, but I'll tell you, I'd forgive you if at those times you had some question marks. If at those times you kind of, things were a bit blurry and you may have said these very words, I don't know what I believe. Stillborn. Tsunami. My challenge and my encouragement is that we need to not just have a faith that's in play when we know the answer and we understand what God's up to, but have a faith that says yes, even when we don't know the answer. And here's my question. And this is kind of, this is a question I ask myself as well. Is it possible to have complete confidence in God even when we don't have complete understanding of the way he's working. And I want to share with you, I think the answer is yes, by the way. But I want to share with you what I think is, is the bedrock foundation that would lead us to a yes. That Yes, I can have complete confidence in God, even when I don't have complete understanding. And the key is found in a letter that Paul, I mentioned him a moment ago, he wrote most of the new part of the Bible. A guy named Paul, a letter he wrote to a young guy named Timothy, a guy that he was mentoring, a guy that he'd sent to, to, to start a new church. And Paul wrote him a letter. And Paul wrote him a letter from inside this prison. In Rome, 
buddy of mine's visiting there right now. He snapped this yesterday, and I grabbed it from his Facebook page. He actually went inside what's now a tourist attraction, the cell, the prison cell. Those of you that speak uh, Latin, Italian, Spanish, Marcelo, Herman, como se dice? Cristo. Marco es un homo bonito. That translates, Mark is a handsome man. In Spanish. The prison of the apostle Peter and Paul. This is an underground prison. It's dark, it's damp, it has no airflow, no light, no nothing. To get in there, the prisoners would be lowered down through a hole and then shackled like animals. And this is where Paul wrote what I'm about to read to you, to a guy named Timothy. And by the way, you and I would think justice is served when someone's sent to prison for committing a crime. Let the punishment suit the crime. The only thing Paul did was preach about Jesus. And it, he wound up in this prison. And from that prison, he wrote about the confidence he has. And he wrote about why he could have such confidence. This is what he wrote to Timothy. We can only keep going. He couldn't even see the light of day. Yet he could see the future. His calling. Amazing. After all, by the power of God who first saved us and then called us to this holy work. We had nothing to do with it. It was all his idea. A gift prepared for us in Jesus long before we knew anything about it. But we know it now. Since the appearance of our Savior, nothing could be plainer. Death defeated. That's worth the price of admission right there. Just learning or being reminded of that very fact. Jesus died so that you and I wouldn't have to. Life vindicated in a steady blaze of light all through the work of Jesus. This is the message I've been set apart to proclaim as preacher, emissary, and teacher. It's also (laughs) the cause of all this trouble I'm in. And he wasn't flipping the bird to Jesus when he wrote that little bit of a sentence, right? Stay with me here. But I have no regrets. I couldn't be more sure of my ground. The one I've trusted in can take care of what he's trusted me to do right to the end. That's a whole bucket load of confidence right there, huh? Despite his circumstances. Well, how do you get this sort of confidence? The sort of confidence when your circumstances seem to contradict God's character And you choose God's character every single time. How do we get that sort of confidence? Let's revisit and then go on. Since the appearance of our Savior, nothing could be plainer. Death defeated. Life vindicated in a steady blaze of light all through the work of Jesus. This is the message I've been set apart to proclaim as preacher, emissary, and teacher. It's also the cause of all this trouble I'm in. But I have no regrets. I couldn't be more sure of my ground. The one I've trusted in can take care of what he's trusted me to do right to the end. So, Timothy, keep at your work. This faith and love rooted in Christ, exactly as I set out for you. It's as sound as the day you first heard it from me. How could Paul have such an incredibly high level of confidence? It's buried right in here. Let's go to the next slide. It's buried right in here because the one I've trusted in. Paul's faith wasn't in a what. 
Paul's faith, faith was in a whom. My mother would be proud of me to have said whom and not who. I did say face. Paul, Paul was all about whom he believed first. What he believed was also important, okay? But the absolute foundation of our confidence in each and every situation and circumstance of life is that we first need to place our faith in a whom. The whom that holds the universe in his hands. The alpha and the omega. The beginning and the end. He was here before we had our troubles. He'll be here once the dust is cleared. Once our troubles have passed over. Or even if they don't. We win in the end. Has anyone ever heard of Christianity? Uh, referred to as a belief system. Anyone ever said that Christianity is a belief system? No, it's not. Christianity is a person. Paul didn't write to Timothy bragging about the faith he's got in the belief system. I'm trusting in the belief system. Yeah, well, how's that working for you, pal? He bragged. He highlighted, he underlined that his confidence wasn't in a belief system, but a person. Let's roll the next slide. Let me just really drill down here with us this morning. And of this gospel, I was appointed as a herald and an apostle and a teacher. This is from another version. I'm just putting this out to bring it out for us. That's why I'm suffering as I am. Hmm. Yet this is no cause for shame. I'm going to talk about that next week. Because I know whom I have believed. About um, about four years ago, I was uh, I was uh, struggling with an Achilles injury that had uh, that that sidelined me from my sport, which is triathlon, and I couldn't. Uh, it was so bad. I not only could I, could I not run, but I also couldn't cycle because it was too painful, and I also couldn't swim because it was painful when I did a lap and pushed off from the wall. It's like you think swimming's upper body. It's like it was just. And now I know quite a lot about. Uh, exercise physiology and rehab, and I'd been doing all the right things, all the things I tell the athletes I coach to do, and it was actually getting worse and worse. And uh, so it was at that time, I, I'm, I'm only partly ignorant, stubborn male, okay? I'm not fully. I got, it takes me a while, but I eventually sometimes do actually give in and seek help. And uh, I knew I needed the, the, um, the expert uh, assistance of a physioterrorist. And so I went... Um, hunting for a good physio. Now, the thing is, I believed that physiotherapy could actually help me rehab this injury. I believed in the, the system. I believed in the approach. But I didn't just walk around the corner or, or, or flip open whitepages.com.au and type in physio. Because I, I wasn't just wanting to place my faith in the practice of physiotherapy. I needed to first find the best physiotherapist here in Perth that my money uh, could buy. 
not just any physio either. They had to be actually conversant with my sport and my injury and so on and so forth. So I started asking around. I, I started contacting other triathlon coaches. I started contacting a couple of my friends who are professional triathletes here in Western Australia. And I narrowed it down to one guy who'd spent uh, uh, over a decade at the Australian Institute of Sport um, as a physio there working with all of the elite athletes. And from there... Uh, became the team physio for both the Australian volleyball team and the Australian triathlon team. Uh-huh. I think I found my man. I didn't know him. I'd never met him. But I looked him up. I phoned his office. I made an appointment. I walked in there, introduced myself. He introduced himself. And he said, uh, he said okay, lie down. And, and he got busy. And I did not say to him, uh, well, well so wait, hey, hey, his name's Damien. Damien, before you touch me, I need you to explain to me everything you're going to do. I have to have complete understanding of everything you're going to touch and why. Everything you're not going to touch that I think you should and why you don't. When you give me exercises and rehab things to do in, in the days in between our appointments, I need you to explain absolutely, like bring out the books, mate. I, don't, I want you to read them to me like nursery uh, stories before I go to bed about why I'm doing these certain, lifting my leg like this and doing, and I need to know everything. No, I didn't ask him a single question because I'd scoped him out. I'd found he was the best in the business here in Perth for me. And I placed my complete and utter faith in him. Even when I didn't understand what he was doing. He got me doing some exercises that were so humiliating that I couldn't do them in my gym for fear of the public shame. For guys asking me why I wasn't wearing my leotard while I was doing some of them. So I would do them at my home and then go to the gym to lift heavy stuff. And I didn't ask him why. Well, I did because I'm curious. But, but I didn't ask him because I was skeptical. I trusted him. I placed my faith in him. Many of you might have a story like that. A medical professional that you sought out having tried a few other approaches place your faith in them. Maybe it was a company you invested in, not so much because you believed in what the company or knew a lot about the company, but you knew who the CEO was and you knew that if that CEO was leading it, that company was going to be successful. We place our faith in a who, Jesus, even regardless of our circumstances. And it's with that that we can have the same level of confidence that Paul had. I don't always know what I believe, but I know whom I believe. And so our challenge at the absolute bedrock foundation of our faith needs to be to stop believing in truth as a proposition, as an idea, as a system of beliefs. And start at the absolute foundation to believe in truth as a person. Jesus is who he says he is. 
Some of you right now, right here, this morning, in this very moment that we're entering into, before we finish, we want to give you that opportunity to place your faith in Jesus as a person, to start following him. Most of you have already done that, I know. And that's great. You've stepped across that line. You've taken that step towards Jesus and you've said, yeah, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you are the son of God and I'm going to place my faith in you. Some of you maybe haven't taken that step. Well, right now we're going to give you that opportunity to take that step. And all I want you to do in a moment is put your hand up for those of you that need to take that step. You say, yeah, you know what, God, that's me. I want to place my faith in Jesus as a person and start following him from this day forward. When I see a hand, you can put it down and we're just going to quickly pray. So right now, before we finish, it's the last thing and the most important thing we do every single time we gather. For those of you that have never made that decision, never taken that step, right now, take that step. Put your hand up. You say, Jesus, I want to follow you. When I see a hand, you can put it down. I'm just going to look across our auditorium a couple of times. I don't want to miss anybody. It's the most important question you ever have to ask yourself and the most important decision you'll ever make. If you've never made this decision, said, yes, Jesus, I want to start following you. Make that decision right here, right now. And then we're going to pray.